We're on the record. I'm Shiva Cass. Good morning. The Baltimore American Indian Center has been an integral part of East Baltimore's community for more than a half century. BAIC also hosts a powwow open to everyone now in its 47th year. That happens tomorrow, Saturday, from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the Timonium Fairgrounds. We'll have details in a few minutes. Here to talk about it is Lewis Campbell, educator, sought-after dancer, and program coordinator at the Baltimore American Indian Center. Campbell is a member of the Lumbee and Blackfoot tribes. Welcome back to On the Record, Lewis. Thank you. Also joining us is Christine Duckworth-Oxendine. She's a member of the BAIC board, a jeweler, and also a sought-after dancer. She belongs to the Lumbee tribe. Welcome, Christine. Thank you for having me. And E. Keith Colston, Administrative Director for the Maryland Commission on Indian Affairs, is with us. He's joining us in his role as MC of the BAIC powwow. He's a member of the Tuscarora and Lumbee tribes. Welcome, Keith. Yeah, I'm right. Thank you. Christine, tell me about the Baltimore American Indian Center. What happens there? There's many things that happen at the Baltimore American Indian Center. We have an active museum that is open throughout the week. We also have a thriving culture class that Lewis heads up on Tuesdays at 6 o'clock and one Saturday um, at the end of the month. We have the classes where we are able to gather together to learn some of our culture and some of our history. We also have teaching on dancing, beadwork, um, feather work, jewelry work during those classes. We also have socials and gatherings. We have what we call round dances, which are like many powwows, um, but we do those for community events where we have them hosting at the Indian Center. And we have like a potluck and we invite all of our community members in to come in and just share our day with us. Lewis, tell me more about these culture classes at BAIC. Um, like Christine said, we have a lot going on there. We have uh, dance classes. I teach uh, northern traditional dancing. Um, we have children coming there learning to drum. We have uh, community members coming there to bead, do different crafts, teach beading. Um, we, they bring food, and uh, we just socialize a lot of times and just bringing a community together. Um, who can come to these classes? Uh, everyone is in invited to these classes, uh, the community, Native American and non-Native American, anyone that wants to learn about our culture will teach it to them properly. And you, in particular, teach dancing? I do. And Christine, you teach beadwork, correct? I can do beadwork and dancing for, for the traditional women. Right. You're also a, a northern traditional dancer. Let's hear a clip uh, from a song for a women's northern traditional dance. You'll be dancing, Christine, at the powwow tomorrow. Describe what you wear when you dance. When I dance as a northern traditional dancer, I wear a cloth dress. There are some women who wear a traditional buckskin dress, but I do now wear a cloth 
dress. We have our leggings and our moccasins that are our shoes and our socks. Um, I carry a shawl around my arm um, and I carry my eagle fan, um, which eagle feathers are very highly respected in in our tribe. Uh, I do have an eagle um, fan and the feathers were gifted to me. Um, We have our beadwork that we wear. Um, We have um, minks that we wear in our hair. Um, You'll see some ladies who have feathers in their hair um, that were also given to them as honor honor and respect. In addition to northern traditional, what are the other styles of women's dance? For the females, you'll have um, fancy shawl dancers, and you also have jingle dress dancers. And there will be plenty of those that you can see on Saturday at the powwow. Keith, the MC at the powwow does more than introduce dancers. What, what role will you be playing for visitors? My role really is to be an educator, uh, to explain what is going on so that people not only see it as a, a type of entertainment, which, which is fine, but the priority is to see this as an opportunity of education, uh, to comprehend what is taking place, uh, to see what is visually being performed in front of them, and to provide the words to go along with it. And it creates a very balanced situation. Uh, Without the words and without the explanation, that's all it would be is entertaining uh, to the people who come. And the opportunity for the population, uh, for the audience to be there, is to truly witness uh, the reality, the factuality, uh, to hear the actual stories from the people themselves. It really is an opportunity for not just the MC to express what he's been taught and what he's learned from a variety of tribal affiliations, nations, bands, clans, and societies. Uh, It's an opportunity for the public to engage one-on-one with dancers, with the families, with the tribal representations uh, and representatives that are there. Um, My goal is always to uh, be an educator, to keep things flowing and moving. There's such a thing called Indian time that I don't like because I like to start on time and end on time. But one of the great things about tribal people is that whether you're the MC or or part of the celebration, when we start, we don't like to end it until we we finish all that needs to be done. This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast, speaking with Christine Duckworth-Oxendine. She's a board member of the Baltimore American Indian Center, a jeweler, and a dancer. Also here is educator and dancer Lewis Campbell and the MC of the powwow, E. Keith Colston. We're talking about BAIC's 47th annual powwow that starts at 11 a.m. tomorrow at the Timonium Fairgrounds and wraps up at 7 p.m. Here's a clip from one of Lewis's favorite songs to dance to. It's called the White Buffalo Calf Song. You also, as you mentioned, dance northern traditional. Help listeners get a visual. What what does your regalia comprise? Uh, my regalia has, uh, we wear different headgear. Um, I wear an eastern war mask or a mandan. I wear a bustle on the back of my 
on my back of eagle feathers or a horse tail, depending on what I'm doing that day. I, I, I switch up a lot. I have a few different outfits or regalias. I wear armbands that are made of deer uh, leg, legs. I uh, have a fan, a dance stick with an eagle claw on it. I uh, wear breastplates, moccasins, and uh, everything that we wear is from the natural animal. Like we wear furs, we wear bear claws, eagle claws, um, horse tails. We wear, uh, a lot of times I'll wear face paint. Um, so that's basically what I wear most of the time. And all of these elements have a meaning, correct? Correct. And uh, everything that we wear have a meaning. The beadwork has a meaning. Um, the colors on our regalia have meaning. Depending on what tribe you're from, uh, everything has a meaning. Keith, what else can visitors expect to see at the powwow tomorrow? Well, we have the dancing that goes on in the circle, the dance arena. Uh, you witness the singers uh, that are joining us that provide all of the incredible songs that are needed for each and every amenity that goes on. So, for instance, if we uh, need honor songs to sing to respect uh, our veterans, uh, our flags and the flag staff, uh, we also have our, our, our singers to be there to sing songs for our children, to enjoy the powwow. Our social dances that uh, encourage the audience to come out and participate and to f get a sense and a feel of uh, what it is that we feel uh, in that circle. Now, outside the circle, it's the vendors, it's the artists, uh, all of the uh, incredible demonstrators that will be there. Cannot forget the, f the great food that will, uh, again, showcase food from all over Indian country, all over Turtle Island, uh, four directions. And, you know, when you have all of that, it, it's really one thing connecting to another. It's really about the, the, the culture itself and how such a visual situation is taking place. But it's what you feel. It's what you see. It's what you hear. Um, all of this, uh, it's, it's, it's a, an incredible opportunity for anyone who's never been to a gathering, never been to a powwow. Uh, it is inside, but whether it's inside or outside, just to hear those drums, to see the dancing, uh, to hear those bells, to watch the children just enjoy themselves, and then to witness the uh, the honoring uh, that goes on. And what I mean by that is when we have those songs to honor people, but also what we call specials that are, are to remark on, on people who are no longer with us and those families having those types of specials to remember them and for people to come out and, and to participate, not to win, but just to participate in that special, in that honoring, in that moment. These are all the things that you can't get from a book or you can't Google it. It's what you have to really witness in action. And so the opportunity that the Baltimore American Indian Center has done for 47 years to invite the public to be a part of that, it's priceless. Uh, and even with saying it's priceless, it's just a great opportunity to give back to the tribal community to support them. Yeah, everyone is welcome to this event. Christine, what do you hope non-natives take away from attending the powwow? I hope non-natives take away um, some education, um, knowing that we're still here. We haven't gone anywhere. Uh, we're still very active in our culture. And for a lot of us, um, our culture is uh, very important to us. And it's not something that we just put on for a show or for an event or for a powwow. Our culture is part of our everyday life. Um, I hope that people take away um, lots of things that they buy from our craft vendors, um, 
they'll have beautiful jewelry, um, beautiful crafts that they've made themselves, most of them. Um, I hope they get their bellies full um, with the food vendors. And I hope that they leave knowing and seeing that not everything that they were taught in school or everything that they have read online is really true about natives. Find a native and talk to them. Get the drill story. Lewis, what would you add that you want non-natives who come to the powwow to take away with them? Everything that Christine said also, uh, just want them to enjoy themselves, um, just to see that we're still here, uh, interact with their children, interact with um, the social dances, and we will have uh, candy dances for the children. So uh, we'll have uh, special songs for the community come into the circle with us. So uh, I just want them to realize that we are human and we are still here thriving in Baltimore and throughout Maryland. Keith, uh, I understand there's going to be a special presentation, a traditional dance set to rap music. Can you tell me about that? Well, you know, one of the great things about uh, the powwow, it's not about seeing what we were you know, generations ago. It's about who we are today. And so our our musical talents are not about just from a traditional standpoint, it's from a contemporary standpoint. So, you know, we're always encouraging our people to represent themselves in a variety of areas of society. And so whether it's rap, whether it's any other genre of music, that are, that the talents that we have uh, need to be more exhibited, uh, given more opportunity to be expressed, and tell our stories uh, in whatever generation that it is in their own way. So whether it's through rap, whether it's through gospel, whether it's through R&B, whether it's through rock, uh, we have such a, a pool of talent. Um, and what the powwow does is expound on that. And then it allows the, the, the dominant society, society itself, however way people will refer to it, to see that talent uh, and, and allow them to express themselves the way they feel comfortable with. So. We're, we're really hoping that people will not come there and thinking that they're going to see us from generations ago. No, you're going to see us for who we are today. And then you get to hear a couple of those stories of what we're working on for the future. Really can play a, a huge part in so many areas of what the BAIC is doing. What we're doing as tribal people. Lewis, what does it mean to you personally to take part in the powwow? Uh, the Baltimore American Indian Center powwow was the first powwow that I started dancing at. So Keith Colson actually taught me how to dance. We used to have a culture program at Patterson Park, and that was the first powwow came out, and and uh, it it means a lot to me because I've brought my children out into the powwows, and uh, it just I love to dance, I love to teach it, I love to just show how much I love my people. So Keith Colston, you taught Lewis to dance. What does the powwow mean to you? Powwow means to me is a, a way to give back. Uh, Archie Lynch, who was the cultural director before Lewis and before myself, gave me an opportunity to come to Baltimore. Uh, it's a it's a place that holds, like Lewis, uh, my very first competition powwow. I'm my country accent comes out the more I talk, so you can tell that I'm from North Carolina, and Baltimore was my first competition powwow, and then to be able to come here to assist uh, the way that someone took time with me. Uh, and to see Lewis and what he's doing and what he's accomplished, uh, not just with the Baltimore American Indian Center, but what he's done with places like Washington, D.C., the Kennedy Center, uh, Creative Alliance, all these incredible entities that uh, allow our cultural 
uh, pride to be shown. Uh, to see that in action and to see all these people come together and Christine as well as, as just how where we started at, where we're at today, and to see these future generations come up, it's a way to give back. It really is. Christine, to you personally, what does it mean to take part in the powwow? For the Baltimore American Indian Center, I grew up at the center. Uh, my mom used to work at the Indian Center, and I was around six years old when I started dancing. So for me, it's very personal because I spent all of my childhood at the Indian Center, um, all of my youth, all of my teenage years at the Baltimore American Indian Center. That's where I learned to dance. Um, those were my first powwows. That's where I learned how to bead and do my craft um, with Mr. Archie Lynch as our cultural director at that point in time. So for me, it's always coming home. Um, it's definitely a home feeling um, for us um, who have been coming to the Indian Center for a very, very long time. Um, and it's um, our pride in coming home and our ability to show where we've come from to where we are now and then being able to teach younger generations and our future generations who will maybe one day replace us and keep the legacy alive. Well, thank you for sharing your pride and excitement about the powwow with us. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Lewis Campbell, a member of the Lumbee and Blackfoot tribes, is an educator, dancer, and program coordinator at the Baltimore American Indian Center. Christine Duckworth Oxendine, a member of the Lumbee tribe, is a BAIC board member, a jeweler, and a dancer. E. Keith Colston, a member of the Tuscarora and Lumbee tribes, is administrative director for the Maryland Commission of Indian Affairs. He'll MC the Baltimore American Indian Center's 47th annual powwow tomorrow, Saturday, from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the Timonium Fairgrounds. We've got more information at the On the Record page at WIPR.org. There you can also find information about how to participate in the Holiday Sponsorship Program for Native Youth and the Native American Lifelines Community Feast Potluck, which happens next Saturday, November 25th. All are welcome. There's a lot going on. Short break on the record when we're back. A Stoop Story. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Kast. Here's a stoop story from Dave Reichley about jumping in to provide hands-on help for a neighbor. So many moons ago, I, uh, I lived, I rented this little house on a farm out in Whitehall, and there was these wonderful, the best neighbors I've ever had, uh, the Millers, and they ran this farm. It was a working farm. They had cows and crops, and like they raised dogs as well, and were bred dogs, I guess, and um, it was just a wonderful place, and they had these four great kids um, ages, I guess at that time were like from six to like 13. And, uh, you know, they did their chores around the house and they were just, they were, they worked on the farm. They were very, uh, very capable kids. And one day I was kind of hanging out in the afternoon in my house and, uh, I got, there's a knock at the door and I open the door and it's Jake and Sarah, the two youngest kids, they're six and seven. And they're like, Mr. Dave, Mr. Dave, we need some help. 
I was like, yeah, well, what's going on? Like, one of the cows, like, needs to give birth, but she's sick. And I was like, okay, A, how do you know a cow's sick? Okay, B, where's, like, your parents? <laughs> and, so, and like, oh, they went into, like, town for a while, and they're not here. Like, all right, well, where's, like, John and Jenny, the older brothers and sisters? They're not here either. Like, are the only, are the only ones here. We can't, we can't make it happen. We need your help. Okay, like, let's go. So I'm always up for an adventure. So we go out, and we go into this little pasture area where the cow is, and the cow's sitting down, and apparently that's a problem. So they're like, yeah, the cow should be standing up to give birth properly. And I said, oh, well, cool. I'll, well, we'll just get the cow to stand up. I'll, I'll talk to the cow. I've talked to cows, so I'll talk to the cow. And I, as I approached the cow to, like, ask it to get up, I get, the cow looked at me with a look that said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting up. And no city slicker like you is going to tell me any different. So I backed away quickly because the thing has like a couple hundred pounds on me. And I was like, okay, well, the cow's not getting up, guys. So, um, you know, when your parents get back, I'm sure. They're like, no, Mr. Dave, like, it's starting to come out. Like, it's going to die. Like, it'll die if, if we don't get it out. No, I don't want a cow to die. That's not, I, when I was eating my Fruit Loops in the morning, I wasn't thinking like, I hope a cow dies today. So I'm like, okay. All right. So I'm like, well, well how do we get out? He goes, well. Jake, the kid's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll get the rope ready. And he, like, ties this rope in a little thing, a slipknot kind of a thing. And he's like, you just need to get this around the, like, back hooves and pull it out. And I was like, okay, well, that's easy. I'm like, oh. And I, I kind of look. And I'm like, yeah, there's no, there's, like, a little bit of hoof, like, sticking out. I'm like, yeah, I can't, uh, unfortunately, oh, I can't do that. So, like, we're going to have to wait for your parents to get back. And then they'll get, I'm like, no, no, you got to, it's cool. You can just get it in there, slip it around, and pull it out. I'm like, when you say get it in there. You, and like, okay, all right, okay, okay, okay. So, so I get the rope, and I, I found the hooves, let's just put it that way, and I slipped around, and I'm like, you know, okay, uh, guys, it's not coming. I'm like, you got to pull it, you got to pull it, you got to really pull it. I'm like, okay. And then just then, Grandpa comes down. Grandpa's my favorite person on the farm. Grandpa's like, Jimmy, Jimmy, you got to pull that thing. My name is Dave, by the way. <laughs> I've lived there for several months. I've corrected him once or twice already, at least. It does not matter. Uh, Jimmy, you got to pull that thing, man. You lean into it. Lean into it, Jimmy. I'm like, okay, well, at least like, I know he has experience on the farm. It's not a six-year-old telling me to pull. So I like dig in, and I... And like cows come out when you pull them. And... Um, <laughs> It has the placenta, and, the th- and I'm like, whew, that was awesome. Um, um, thank you. you know, you're welcome. And like, no, 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 we, now, like, the cow like, the cow's supposed to turn around and, like, lick that off and clean it and do its motherly things. And I said, oh, well, I, I, would you mind turning? And they, like, we've already been there. So uh, they're like, we need to turn the cow around. And so I'm trying to, like, coax the cow around. It's not working. Grandpa tells the little kid, go get the truck. So a couple minutes later, little Jake comes out. This beat-up Ford F-150 comes down, <laughs> running through the truck. He gets out. And he's like, I can't see to back it up. The kid is seven years old. I swear, I love this family so much. And I go, he's like, would you mind like backing it up, Mr. Dave? I'm like, no problem. As I'm getting asked, he goes, can you drive stick? <laughs> I got it. Yeah, I can, actually. I can't believe you can, but I got this. So we back it up, we like tie a rope, and I'm like coaxing in it. Finally, like this cow gets up and turns around and does what it needs to do, apparently. So, like, that's the day I saved a cow's life uh, on this farm with my wonderful neighbors. So, that's the story.
That was a Stoop story from Dave Reichley about helping neighbors out no matter how big the job. We have more information about the Stoop Storytelling series, including live events coming up and the Stoop podcast at the On the Record page at WYPR.org. I'm Sheila Cast. Glad you're with us on the record. Hope your weekend is bracing.